0: You're listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. Well, welcome everybody to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast, where each week we explore Christian responsibility in adopting Bitcoin. I'm Matt Solick, your host, and we're glad to have you with us on this last episode of 2021. And today we thought we would end the year by taking some time to sit down and talk a little bit about Patrick's latest book he just released called The Christian Case for Bitcoin. In our conversation today, Patrick shares with us, just like this podcast, the intersection of the Christian faith and Bitcoin. He gives an in-depth and thoughtful look at why Bitcoin matters to the world and how it can be used as a tool to expand the kingdom of God. Our conversation together today gives you an excellent overview of the book, and this is one you're definitely going to want to consider for your New Year's reading list. So without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation with Patrick Melder. Today, we got uh, Patrick in the room today. We've been making this podcast, at least as long as I've been involved with this uh, on a short term, uh, that we have not ever been in the same room for the same podcast because you're traveling all over the place. So you were in El Salvador for a little bit, uh, and then uh, you went to um, Guatemala, and we are going to give some updates and stuff around that soon as well, too. Uh, But the reason we're here today is because we want to talk a little bit about the book that you just recently wrote and released called The Christian Case for Bitcoin. Uh, And so, Patrick, why don't you just give us a flyby, like, elevator pitch? What is this entire book all about? Well, first of all, it's great to be a guest on my own podcast.
1: That's It's awesome. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, so uh, Matt, thanks for that. You, the Christian case for Bitcoin really is a, a compilation and uh, a repackaging and a rethinking of a lot of the articles that I started with on Medium. And there's a lot of great new content in it. But I did I did take some of my previous Medium articles, and those those articles those Medium articles were originally in response to what i saw within bitcoin twitter because if you if you really want to be within the the pulse of what's going on within bitcoin i think bitcoin twitter's unless you're a developer that's probably one of the best places to be and i saw some just really odd behavior and sayings that were very religious in nature and Christian in nature about Bitcoin and the experiences that people were having with Bitcoin. So as a Christian and someone who's a very critical thinker, I, and who, you know, when I was very young, I spent a lot of time studying Christian apologetics. I felt compelled to be that voice that was like, wait a minute, you can't you can't use this language because this means something to Christians. And I'm going to basically put a stop to the corruption of our language and something that Bitcoiners are good at is pointing out the, the, the clown world that we live in and, and the words that don't have any meaning, but yet they were kind of hijacking our terminology. And I wanted to put a stop to that. So that's, that's kind of what started everything.
0: And, so that's kind of the 30,000-foot the view of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I um, just want to kind of go through some of the things that you talk about in the book, specifically at the very beginning, because I, I think you make some great statements. And I would just want to hear you expound on some of those things a little bit. So one of the things you talked about is that you see some remarkable similarities you found between Bitcoin and Christianity can you give us a little bit of insight into what those similarities are? You talk a little bit about the language, uh, but w- what are the what are the correlations or the things that you saw that are um, the, that are similar between those two?
1: Okay, well, let's talk. With, let's start with the language. First of all, you've got um, authors out there and developers that are using words like. Bitcoin's messianic. Uh, Bitcoin's going to save us. Um, and I will agree with Bitcoin fixes a lot of things, but I think that what a lot of people don't understand is that, yes, Bitcoin's going to fix a lot of things, but it never will fix the soul. Mm-hmm. So that there's the specific... Uh, language and they use um, even eschatology language. The, they talk about the end, the end of the world, or you know the the rapture and and whatnot. So they use very end time sorts of lang- uh, kind of language. Now, as far as the parallels and y- you know, to be completely transparent, when I first started formulating and seeing these, I felt that I was treading on being blasphemous I really did mm-hmm. and so I see that Satoshi's equated to Jesus and I started seeing that and I thought wait a minute this is I, this feels very uncomfortable for me to to think even think these things um we, we see the sacrifice that Satoshi made, very similar to the sacrifice that Jesus made. He went away. We don't know where he came from. So, you know, Gigi uh, came up with the concept of the Immaculate Conception. And, and within Catholic circles, that means one thing. But I think, you know, in Bitcoin circles and what I was, the parallel I was trying to draw is that Satoshi seemingly came out of from nowhere, was here for a little bit and went away. And that's very similar to Jesus. Quietly, peacefully, right? (laughs) That's the way he enters into the world. Uh, Had his disciples, you know, on the email um, uh, distribution list, the cypherpunk distribution list, he had his disciples. Then we have concepts like uh, proof of work which is foundational to Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. I equated that to the proof of work of monasteries in the middle ages Hmm. that we went through a canonization of scripture through a very meticulous process, no different than um, the consensus process of Bitcoin and, um, so th- those are those are and the immutability i think probably the immutability of bitcoin speaks to the absolute truth of um, the god that we know and providing that truth and those are probably the the major parallels and i think the other thing that is very interesting about bitcoin is that and i described this in the book that Bitcoin is an all-encompassing truth. Okay, it's not just like the law of gravity or a simple uh, ge- geometric equation or geometric shape. And um, if if you don't if you don't get a geometric shape right, or if you don't get a, a certain um, algebra equation right, your your the results going to be wrong. Well, um, there are a lot of things about Bitcoin that if you don't get right it it affects morality, ethics. Um, it spans computer science, game theory, politics. I mean, it's just, I I can't think of another truth on earth other than the truth that we believe in Jesus that touches so many aspects of life. Mm. And, um, as I quoted in the book, I think that probably Bitcoin's probably the closest thing in this metaphysical world to the absolute truths of God that just like Paul says in the book of Romans that you know, the law was a, a tutor before um, uh, Jesus came. It pointed us to who Jesus was. It's a shadow of what, what is to come. And I, I think Bitcoin's the same way. It's a shadow. It's a, it's a perfect shadow. And if you look into it, you can
0: see bigger truths that point to God. Mm, that's amazing. And obviously you've taken a bunch of time and a bunch of research to be able to get to those conclusions. All of us are on somewhat of a journey, even if you're listening to this podcast, maybe brand new, you've been around for a while, but there's, oh, I, this is what I see is there's always new things to learn. And there's so many different perspectives and views to be able to see some of these things. And you talk a little bit about this. I think you mentioned this in in chapter one, where you talk about uh, that today we have so many blissfully ignorant people. We scroll, we swipe, we're looking at fact checkers instead of doing the work to understand the world around us. And I want you to speak maybe a little bit to that, just a little bit, is that we, we've got people um, that don't even have time to make dinner sometimes. And it does require some work. It does require some, some fact checking or some information or research. And so I want to hear a little bit maybe about how you put this in your life as a priority to go spend some time learning about this and maybe a little bit about your journey of how you came to some of the revelations that you did and you know, what What does that look like for an average person that maybe doesn't have a ton of time to research and look? What, where's, you know, if it's resources to get good information or maybe that's part of what this book is about is just giving a, a, you know, a user manual guide for people to start here but continue to do research. Just talk a little bit about what that, that process looks like to help people do their discovery.
1: Well, and I think that's a great uh, point is the book is not Exhaustive. It is a. I tried to make it as concise as possible to bring fundamental truths that demonstrate that this is that one. Bitcoin is not, you know, crazy. Uh, Christianity is not crazy. They're both based in truth. And uh, for the believer, if you want to find out more about Bitcoin, there are plenty of references that you can go do that, and there are plenty of resources that that will tell you about Bitcoin. My my goal was not to be a technical person with Bitcoin because there there are a lot of smart people in the Bitcoin realm that know a lot more about Bitcoin than I do. Uh, and for the non-believer, I wanted to point to the fact that their their belief in Bitcoin is falling within a framework of Christian thinking. And obviously I have plenty of scripture in there and um, they can use that for a starting point for kind of researching more. But the, the um, you know, the, the culture of swiping and and not taking the time to understand the world around us is, you know, part of it is the society that we live in. We live in an exponentially growing technological society where we can't possibly understand all the technology and everything that's going on around us. But as, as Paul would say in, in the epistles, you know, um, I, I would give you meat to eat, but I have to give you milk. And so the there are certain things within our life that we should take the time to really understand. Hmm. We should not be children in our understanding of certain things. We need to be adults. Uh, children accept things, blind. In, you know, if, if you come to me and you give me something and I'm your child if you love me and I love you, I'm going to accept it because I trust you. Well, that's, that may be okay. It may be okay to give that level of trust over to somebody or some institution, but when it comes to ourselves and our worldview and, um, our eternal destiny, we should probably take the time to understand that. And then as we, what I what I found personally for me enlightening about Bitcoin was just as a professional working very hard for you know you know I'm 54 working very hard for 35 40 years of my life and finding it difficult to keep up and believe me not living an extravagant life or anything like that um, so. When I started understanding that something was fundamentally wrong with our society, and I only saw that through Bitcoin, um, that's that's ultimately the, I guess the, the big story behind why Christians should un- really take the time to understand Bitcoin. And even if you don't want to invest in it, even if you don't draw the same parallels to, you know, what I draw as far as my Christian faith in Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin provides an escape hatch. You know, and I, it's a often used analogy about the matrix, and, but it's so true that, you know, you're either in the matrix or you're not. And it seems trivial, but it's, it's once you see what's wrong with our monetary system— you can just see all the other things that are wrong. And ultimately, that's, um,
0: I think, the value of really trying to understand Bitcoin. Yeah, I love that. Uh, we've had conversations, you and I have um, before, about some of these things as well. It's that you, this is one of the most interesting and probably the most important things to be spending learning about. To you know, disconnect yourself from maybe some of the other, other things that are around you that might vie for your attention and and look where this belongs in the grand scheme of your life when you think about what it means to be a believer and a a Jesus follower and what that means for your contribution into the world. I mean, we've talked about this before and this has been an important part of just creating the framework for what we do and why we do it as believers is that, you know, specifically in these last, you know, when there's chaos that's happening uh, around us like we've seen for the last two years, That it's very easy for us to get into our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts and our opinions, and those things then drive our actions and what we do. But, you know, one of the things we've talked about is that as a believer, we have to start from the very beginning in the first place. We have to start with truth, and what we know to be true is Scripture. So we start with the Bible, and the Bible has to inform our theology, our thoughts about you and I, you know, our thoughts about God.
1: But, uh, but Matt, that's—I think—that's another problem that we have as believers is that okay. So, you know, I appreciate that, and as a pastor, you you live by that. But I think in the greater Christian Christendom, if you will. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of areas in life where we really don't believe the Bible is all that we need for life and godliness, mm. and um, the, it, and, and I'll I'll just say it like this: if 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 the um, if we really felt that the Bible can speak to how our money should work and how our economy should work. And the, the word economy does not occur in the Bible, but that's the, that's the, that's the working of people together with you know, a medium of exchange to function as a society. Mm-hmm. That's clearly demonstrated in the Bible, but there are clearly biblical principles even as the church we have neglected. And um, we have to get back to the fundamental belief that Jesus was, is the smartest person that ever lived, we don't believe that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't believe that the Bible has everything we need for life and godliness. And those, those are just foundational to um, reality mm-hmm.
0: for, for the believer. Right. Yeah, it is. I, I, and I think maybe that's what we've seen, right? That is what we've experienced for the last couple of years is backtracking our Thoughts, our actions, and our decisions, and thinking about well, then what's my actual worldview? What do I think about myself and other people and the world that I live within? And how did I form those thoughts and opinions in that worldview? And ideally, as a believer, what you're doing is you're basing that off of your. Theology, what you know to be true about God, but we also know we've got more denominations in the Christian faith than we got religions in the world. Right? So Again. there's this, there's tons of diversity and different thoughts around those things, and we can clearly see how we can continue to live in those cycles. Uh, I, this is what I want to teach my kids and continue: is like let's start first with first principles of what God has taught us, and what and and accept that to be true and. If I don't see that to be true, then go down that journey, go down that path, examine, do I, you know, do I really know, do I, do I know myself or do I know the Lord or do I know my purpose on earth better than, than just forming that out of my own, my own interest and my own thoughts and actions? Because we've seen that, that that's ultimately Like the question is, how's that? How's that working for you? How does that work out for you? And I I think kind of coming back to the book just a little bit, I I, what I just really appreciate is your ability to be able to connect some of these these core truths or see these very similar principles, ideas uh, in the way that we examine um, fundamentals and actually core uh, truths. And being able to um, make those parallels. I mean, we, we do this all the time, especially if you're a believer, is that you can go and uh, experience truths about who God is based on the lens in which you view it through in areas that you would never expect to be able to see, truths of who Jesus is. You can do that in culture. You can do that in relationships or uh, or, or words or phrases or, or, or people um, where you see them talking about their own experiences and um, connecting those back to what we know to be be true, again, specifically as a believer. Um, and so, you know, I what I want to continue to kind of dive into is just a little bit through the book is just maybe going from that principle, I mean, you, and you go into research and learning, starting with truths, and then ultimately you, you go into areas of like some of the frequently asked questions or what about this and what about that? And again there's an answer for each one of those things and your book talks a little bit about that but I wonder if you could just maybe talk about you know some of those doubts that people have because they think it of, of it as a big nothing you see a lot of people that have gotten into this space that have you know once said oh, it's absolutely nothing. It's as valuable as dirt, and then they've completely changed their mind around that because they have done the research and understand it a little bit. And so, you know, you talk about Ponzi schemes, and you know, what if it goes to zero? And what if the government bans it? And uh, what if it's the mark of the beast? Or uh, you know, Bitcoin doesn't pay dividends. Is it a real investment? And so I just wonder if you could maybe speak to some of the people that, uh, you know, maybe not in this audience, but maybe this could be an episode that they pass off to somebody else who has some of those same concerns and thoughts.
1: Yeah. Great questions. So, uh, before I dive into that, you know, it, you brought up the, the, the principle of first principles. And I think that's, that's kind of where this all needs to start is that, um, just because something is corrupt does not mean that it's not true, mm-hmm. okay? So we find that with money, and that's what Bitcoin fixes. We we have a corrupt money, and Bitcoin is a true representation of what money should be. Uh, true money, when you look at divisibility, portability, scalability, et cetera, uh, and godly principles about money, Bit- Bitcoin is a true representation of that. And the same thing is true of the church. Um, a lot of people... As you mentioned, you know we have a lot of denominations, a lot of different religions. Um, just the fact that a church has done something bad does not make the expression or what they're trying to express bad. The first principle they're trying to express their understanding of God um, that does not make God by default not true. Right. It makes their expression of him not true. And I think people need to understand that. Mm. So, getting back to first principles and understanding truth is paramount, of course. Now, as far as, you know, Bitcoin and and, you know, the fud associated with Bitcoin, I think the 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 way I like to kind of nail this down because there there is a lot of fud and I think that objectively if you if you step back and understand, number one, where the FUD's coming from. Is it a Ponzi scheme? You know, it uses so much energy. Where are you getting that information? So if your information is from mainstream media or popular websites, the information is probably wrong, okay? And um, we, we can, the, a perfect example of this, and again, this is not meant to be a political discussion. It's meant to show that um, we live in a world where truth is not honored. We live in a world where headlines are honored and where drama and fear are honored. So back in um, 2017, right up to the the lead up to the all-time high at that time, in December, mid-December of that year, there was a famous headline in Newsweek online about Bitcoin, Bitcoin's energy consumption, that Bitcoin would consume all the energy of the world by 2021. And then about a week later, the World Economic Forum also had a headline, same headline, Bitcoin's energy consumption will use all the energy by the year 2021. And here we are in 2021. And those headlines obviously were just patently false. Right, And so... Uh, if we look at you know whether Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme, w- where does that information come from Pon- A Ponzi scheme was named after, um I can't remember his name it was Ponzi but Ponzi, I can't right. yeah but I can't remember his first name but you know it was named after a person So you know just fundamentally if we wanted to think about Bitcoin as a Ponzi scheme then you know it would it, we should name it after Satoshi but Satoshi's no longer around there's there's no central authority there's no central person that is forcing you and me to buy Bitcoin. It's a personal decision um, So just on its face, Uh, to call Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme is just, it's, it's a complete non sequitur. So you, 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 to even a a person that, that thinks that Bitcoin's a a Ponzi scheme just is a non-serious person as it relates to understanding what's really going on. And they clearly have not done their research and they're getting their information from, from the wrong sources. The, the whole energy debate, the, I think that's pretty been pretty well been, um, Established as being false based on what I just said but Michael Saylor and the, the Bitcoin Mining Council has done a great job of kind of elucid, elucid, elucidating where um, the energy um, uh, sources are coming from for Bitcoin mining and by default if you understand Bitcoin mining you understand that Bitcoin miners have to find the cheapest source of energy the cheapest source of energy are uh, free energy solar, wind, hydroelectric etc. And then I think for as a Christian and, you know, it may not be the same for every Christian, but I know it was for me and I've been around, you know, I grew up in the, the 70s and 80s. And so, you know, that the, the time of Hal Lindsey and the great late, great late planet Earth and, you know, the world's going to come to an end tomorrow. So um, the mark of the beast is a big is a big concern like, OK, is this a controlling technology? And when you study Bitcoin, you find out that, well... Um, I don't know how something can control you when it's not controlled by no one controls it. So how can it control you? It's distributed and, um, it's the farthest thing from the mark of the beast. So that's, that's really kind of a unique Christian FUD concept that I wanted to address. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are the, yeah, those are the, probably the major FUD items associated with Bitcoin. And, and I think that the, um, yeah, so yeah. Th-
0: those are the major ones. Yeah, even—I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, this is a pretty cool video I saw uh, recently, I think, on Twitter of, you know, obviously they have banned it in China like a thousand times for the last right. 12 years. Right. Uh, but there was a video of a person who has now set up a tent next to a stream— where they're actually in China, where they're actually continuing to mine in China by using hydraulic power oh, that's that they awesome. put together in this entire rig. And so you just see the value of individuals where maybe governments or... You know, authorities don't see the value of it, or are afraid of it, uh, or uh, you know, have come to their own conclusions. But I thought that was pretty amazing. It's just continue to see people that once they believe in something, uh, they'll do anything they possibly can. They'll live in a tent by a river to continue well, to be able.
1: Well, to do it. It, yeah, and that's uh, so that speaks to two things. Number one, we're we're trying to do that in Guatemala, at Bitcoin Lake. We're going to create a completely sustainable Bitcoin mining operation and completely destroy the the energy fud once. We're going to demonstrate it, and then number two, that commit—that's total commitment right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing a new book about the philosophy of Bitcoin and religion, and that's that's essentially um, the transcendence that. We all try to come to understand as Christians, that's, that's God. Our, our transcendent is God. And, but in order to um, have a transcendent experience, you need total commitment. And that, that is an obvious example of someone who's totally committed. And, and obviously, Jack Mahler's, when he said, I will die on this hill, that's, that's not unique to Jack Mahler's. I think a lot of Bitcoiners believe with wholehearted, heartedness that they will die on that hill. And that's total commitment. So that's a, that's a very religious commitment, and that's a very
0: transcendent commitment. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I want to just highlight a phrase as well that you put in the book here, and I think this is really good. You said that if we have lost our voice as Christians in this post-Christian world, we need to learn a language that can help reach the lost. And I know this is a big driver for you writing this book. It's a big passion of yours. We see that the global adoption rate right now is at only 2%. There's entire world just in the same that we see in our, uh, as a tool of evangelism, that uh, there's a hurting world, there's a struggling world. Uh, and, and I want you just to speak to that just a little bit about that language. Uh, and, and, maybe helping believers be able to think about their own lives and the people in their own lives uh, that they can maybe don't feel 100% confident to be able to have a conversation about their faith or with Jesus because they can't quite articulate that. But maybe there's some common language in the Bitcoin world that would help think about those people that uh, you need to help give hope or open eyes and see some of those truths that you've talked about with Bitcoin. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And that is a passion of mine. I, I So I, I think the way to think about that is, you know, people don't come to the Lord without a need. They don't come to the Lord without a spiritual need. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you read carefully through the gospels, John in particular, which, you know, I just recently discipled somebody through is just... I fell in love with Jesus all over again. It was just amazing. But when you read John, Jesus never goes to someone and says, "You need to accept me." He always met them, and we hear this a lot in, in Christian circles. He met them where they were, and if they didn't want to accept him, he just walked away. And you know, and then obviously those who understood their need for him came to him, and he was available and 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 whatnot. So, the um, I think Bitcoin in that respect will not meet a person in their spiritual need, but it will meet them in their, for lack of a better term, metaphysical need. And what I mean by that is, if you get to a point that you understand the world is broken around you, and a lot of people are going to get there because it's coming, Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have a source of truth, the 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 reality of what you've lived it has not been true that's that's going to be you know that that will be an existential threat to a lot of people's sanity mm-hmm. and so for the believer for the christian we have a truth in god and this is what i came to when i when i was studying bitcoin is i was i was really not upset. I was I was deeply disturbed in my being when I started learning about our monetary system and the, and the insidious effect that it has on all of us. And I felt maybe not cheated, but just violated is too strong of a word, but um, just like something that I had lost something over so many years, because it was taken from me, and I didn't know it was taken from me. But in the end, as a Christian, um, I have faith in God, and and in all things, um, He's with me, and, and we can find contentment in all things, because we have that hope in, in Jesus. I think for the person who's not a believer to come to that realization, that's a really dark place. And I think that Bitcoin in a metaphysical sense provides hope for them that they're not going to have if they don't have something. If they're not looking for religion, certainly Bitcoin is going to provide something they can hang on to and say, thank goodness, you know, I'm not going to lose my sanity. I'm not going to lose my savings or whatever. Um, And I think that becomes a segue into, well, you know, you've experienced this in your life, in your metaphysical life. Um, do you think that in your spiritual life, there's also this point that you're at? Or have you been at that point? Or would you consider that? And so I think that's where Bitcoin becomes a parallel where you can walk somebody through the hurt of the metaphysical world and walk them through the hurt of the spiritual mm-hmm. world because it's the same walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they may not – they they. You know, with, in the spiritual realm, we drown our hurt with, you know, I don't know, sex, drugs, relationships, you know, porn, whatever. And we don't really, we numb the hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the metaphysical world, we numb our, our hurt, our brokenness by spending, mm-hmm. buying things. Um, and when we figure out that that's broken, it might open us up to the fact that, Okay, there's there's a spiritual aspect to this I haven't considered before. And that's that's where I think that the two
0: kind of um, merge 100%. I love that. I think that is um, great language. Everybody knows what it feels like and can articulate what it feels like to have economic loss, to feel what it feels like in your family or to feel like you know what that feels like in your personal home. Everybody knows that and they can articulate that. It's a little bit more difficult to, Hit on some of the things that you talked about in the spiritual realm of the of, of emptiness. I was like you know you feel something, but maybe you can't quite articulate. That, but it's
1: right? it's not it's not just loss, Matt, because it there, everyone's going to experience a loss, but they they are not going to have a hope. Mm. You know, normally, and and that's because of the of the of the the way our system is going. And I firmly believe, and you and I might have a little disagreement on this, but I firmly believe that a day of reckoning is coming, and we don't want people jumping out of the Wall Street buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, Bitcoin provides an anchor for them. So um, it's one thing to have a loss; it's another thing to
0: have a loss with no hope. Right. That's the difference. Absolutely, absolutely. And so maybe we can wrap up this conversation just a little bit to talk about what you're doing in Guatemala, because I think it speaks obviously to what we're experiencing here, but part of the reason that you wrote this book is because you saw that hope and you saw a need and you saw ways to be able to continue um, to bring hope to other people. And, you know, you mentioned, um, I believe it's James um, chapter one that talks about fighting for the rights of the widow, uh-huh. uh, you know, that uh, to look o- after orphans and widows and their distress. And so could you give us just a little bit of an update? Maybe we can dive deeper into this in another conversation. But I, I, I think. People, as we've talked about this for a little bit, is is just want to know where things are at and how things are going, and um, in this project that you feel really passionate about.
1: Yeah, so y- you know, looking at Bitcoin as an evangelical tool, if we have two percent of the world population that is is uh, adopting Bitcoin, if it can be used for a tool for e- event um, evangelism, then we have a significant opportunity in front of us, as it relates to you know, helping the, the poor and, and the widow uh, and the and, uh, children, the, having been involved in missions for, you know, my entire adult life, the, the thing that has always concerned me is going on a short-term mission trip, and and even hosting long-term missionaries that come back and they're doing great work. They're building churches, you know, digging water wells, uh, building clinics. But the, the one thing that we never can provide and solve is the issue of poverty. Now, to be very clear, we can't solve poverty. The, the, the Lord made it very clear. And I state this in the book that uh, the Lord said, we, that you will always have the poor and the, The wealth and poverty should not be looked at as a measure of God's love for us. Um, But it is incumbent upon Christians who do have wealth to help those that are in need. And I think for the first time uh, for Christians, we can go and provide the physical help that we always like to do. And now we can actually provide a, a, a resource with Bitcoin, where we don't create dependence. That's always the problem when you when you try to give money to somebody in a, on a, in a on a mission field, is you create dependence. Uh, so with Bitcoin, we can actually provide a economic opportunity without dependence, and kind of fulfill a larger or solve a larger problem within. Um, the mission, the mission field with Bitcoin. And I firmly believe that you can teach the gospel with Bitcoin as well. So let's have another bite at the apple of going, doing good works, um, presenting the gospel in a post-Christian world, using post-Christian language with Bitcoin language. Mm. And that's, that's ultimately the goal. And then the you know what we're doing down in Guatemala is trying to implement that with uh, Bitcoin Lake in Panajachel at uh, on Lake Atitlan, and it's basically on the model of Bitcoin Beach in El Zante, El Salvador. I think the difference is is that we're, well I don't think that the difference is is that we're going through a, an educational process through a school. Um, Panajachel is a much larger community. Uh, much more developed business community and they've got a real need from an environmental perspective around the lake that I think the Bitcoin mining, the sustainable Bitcoin mining can solve. You know, they've got a very unsustainable energy grid I think that we can build out with Bitcoin mining. And I've, I've um, put together a, a kind of a short white paper for that as well. It's based on the square arc investment research paper and yeah, so that's that's the goal is mm. to kind of fulfill the Great Commission with Bitcoin and providing that extra, extra part with economics. Love it.
0: Uh, I, I'm in entirely and completely and always um, just learning new things in this space. Uh, you've been a, an incredible contributor to my education and knowledge and continue to learn new things. And so uh, we're going to have a link where people can get the book, The Christian Case for Bitcoin, in the description below. So you can check that out. Um, and obviously because of your passion, uh, you know, you have, you have the knowledge, uh, you're carrying this out, you're bringing it to the people that need it most. Uh, and so I just applaud you and all of your efforts, whether it's through this podcast or a book or being in the field itself to be able to bring home. I, I think you're just doing incredible work. Uh, excited to get to partner with you in this. Um, any last final thoughts before we, we sign off today?
1: No, I just appreciate this time to be a guest to my, on my <laughs> podcast <laughs> and,
0: and talk about the book. I
1: really appreciate that. and. Um, you know, if you guys have any questions, you can always email me. That's, um, I have that on the medium site, uh, pmelder at mac.com and feel free to offer any comments or suggestions. And if you get the book and you read it, please be, um, thoughtful and leave a a review on Amazon. Love it. Yeah.
0: All right. Great episode. Pass this on to other people that need it. Uh, we've got a hurting world and Patrick excited to get to do this with you. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Like I said in the intro, if you're a Christian exploring Bitcoin or looking to understand some of the similarities between the two, then this book is written for you and one to consider for your New Year's reading list. We'll leave a link to the book in the description below. And if you're sensing you could use some help and clarity of direction for you in these areas, or if you'd like some help for your church in adopting Bitcoin, start a conversation with us by visiting the links in the show notes of today's podcast. Next week, we're back with a brand new show with Josh Young, the chief of staff with the new story, a nonprofit organization pioneering solutions to end global homelessness. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest updates. And until then, have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Mission Bitcoin podcast. To access the tools discussed today, be sure to use the links found in the show notes. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.